welcome to the AccuSprout Podcast, where it's my mission to help new practitioners of Chinese medicine navigate from school to career. I'm Stacy. I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, podcaster, coach, and creator of Magical Networks. Be sure to check out all four pillars of the podcast where I cover case studies to sharpen your clinical skills, Mindset Mondays to support your mental health, new practitioner interviews to prove that you are not alone, and all things business from launching your practice to negotiating your pay if you choose to be an employee. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, be sure to check out the sponsors page on the website to claim your special AccuSprout offers. When I first started my practice, I was actually kind of a disaster when it came to my books. I hired an accountant who actually laundered money from another client. So I went on a quest to find a bookkeeper who really tailors to and loves working with acupuncturists. And I found Sarah at Horizon West Bookkeeping, and I'm feeling pretty fortunate. Sarah offers acupuncturists and the AccuSprout community a couple different packages so that she can meet you where you are. If you're new to practice, she can come in and do what's called a QuickBooks startup package for you, where you get pretty deep discounts on QuickBooks for about four months. She sets up your chart of accounts, assists with linking your bank accounts, makes sure that all the transactions are imported, and then teaches you how to use it with two hours of one-on-one training. It's a killer deal. She also offers cleanup packages and catch-up packages. Not catch-up packages, guys. Catch-up packages. And a monthly package, which is what I use. And I find it quite affordable and so, so, so worth it because, honestly, I never, since the beginning, have been able to keep up with my bookkeeping. You can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with Sarah to make sure that you guys are the right fit for each other. And you can do that at horizonwestbookkeeping.com forward slash AccuSprout or look for the link in the show notes. Today's episode is also sponsored by Jane, an all-in-one practice management software with helpful features to power your acupuncture practice. Jane offers flexible scheduling options that match the way you work. You have the option of offering one-on-one online sessions for initial consults, meeting in person, and scheduling staggered appointments to accommodate treating patients across different treatment rooms. Jane has you covered. Keep the relaxation going with a seamless checkout experience using Jane's PCI-compliant payment solution, Jane Payments. You can collect patient credit cards securely through your intake form or at the time of booking with an online booking payment policy. This can also help reduce no-shows in your practice. It's a win-win. And Jane's unlimited SMS and email reminders can be sent automatically before each appointment as an extra layer of no-show protection. To learn more about how Jane's helpful features can help you power your acupuncture practice, head to jane.app to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their team. Or if you're ready to get started, head on over to accusprout.com forward slash Jane. And remember to use the code accusprout1mo at the time of sign up to get a one-month grace period applied to your new account. ideal world, if a practitioner is interested in running two rooms at a time, which I think is perfect, if they can go in and watch it be done and then mimic what they see, it's going to be very helpful for them. When you're trying to set up the system and imagine the system, yeah, you can do that. But if you're there in a clinic watching a practitioner and you're getting to see how the flow happens, it's a lot easier to kind of implement on your own after the fact. Hey, Aki Sprouts, welcome back to the show. Today, I'm here with Megan Lindsay, who was in a previous episode where she talked about purchasing a practice as a new practitioner. So if you haven't listened to that topic yet, be sure and go back and listen to that. I believe that's episode 53. Um, So Megan is here to share another little bit of wisdom, a pearl, so to speak, about how to utilize more than one treatment room at a time as a new practitioner. Um, I get this question often. A lot of you write in or contact me and you're like, could you please do an episode on how to run multiple treatment rooms? And I thought, wow, what better person than Megan who went from zero patients a week to 50-5-0 as a new practitioner and had to uh, spin those plates in the air as a newbie. So 
I thought, why not bring Megan back on and talk about how she handled that in the beginning? Because that seems insane to me. And then perhaps how to handle the emotions, how to handle the paperwork, how to handle charting, how to handle the room turnover, payments, all of the things. So without further ramblings on my part, um, welcome back to the show, Megan. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me back. This is fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm so grateful to have you back. If you guys haven't listened to the previous episode where she talks about purchasing a practice, Megan contacted me to see how she could contribute to the AccuSpot community. She is not a new practitioner. Um, Megan, how long have you been in practice? Oh, man, I would still say I am new. I feel like if there's ever a day you feel like you're not new, there's a problem. <laughs> there's so much to learn, right? I think I've been, I shouldn't say I think, uh, practicing since 2015 okay. is when I graduated. And then I purchased my practice in 2017. Okay. So not so new, but sort of new. Not so yeah, new, so but sort of new. <laughs> um, but anyway, Megan contacted me to offer any information and help that she could to the community. So here you are again today. Why don't you tell the practitioners just a quick brief story, if in case they missed the first episode, about how you ended up with this giant practice? Yeah. When I first graduated, through a series of like missteps and walls that I hit, this opportunity presented itself for me to purchase a practice from a woman who was retiring. She had her practice, I think it was in the end, like 28 years, very close to 30 years she had been in practice. And I, because I had hit these walls in the other areas, starting my own, working somewhere else, renting a room, I just thought, you know, this feels right. And I just dove in. And the woman that I purchased the practice from ended up transitioning out very quickly. So within two weeks, and it was a whirlwind and it was insane and it was crazy. And looking back, there's lots of things I wish could have been done differently, but I'm still here. I still have my practice. It still worked itself out. And I went from treating no patients per week to treating roughly around 50 patients per week. That's that's right around where she was. And over the course of many years, I have whittled my time and patient numbers down to something that's more comfortable for me. And so currently, I, I work three days a week and I treat roughly 20, 30 patients in a good week. And that that pace feels good to me. But for the first year or so that I was practicing, I was treating about 40 to 50 patients per week, working five days a week, which was a huge adjustment for me. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a that's a huge. I'm surprised you didn't get sick. Like that's a huge energetic load just like so quickly, not only with the stress of transitioning and having this all new situation, being a newer practitioner, maybe having some imposter syndrome to you you. You had to tuck quite a bit of emotion away in order to keep going, didn't you? Uh, Stacey, I didn't have the time <laughs> to have imposter syndrome. I didn't have the time to do anything. And it actually, in that way, it was probably beneficial for me. It was like, I just got to roll with it and I just got to go with it. So I didn't get a lot of downtime to like spin out or freak myself out about it. It was like one task at a time, one day at a time, one patient at a time. And that kept me busy enough that I didn't have to think about these things until about year three. And then about year three was like, oh, wait, wait, this doesn't work for me. I can keep going at this pace or I need to make changes that make more sense for me. And that's when I adjusted my schedule and my time and worked less and treated less patients. But I, I felt like I had a better live work balance, which made more sense. Okay. What was that like? Like, how, what, what did she have set up? I would like to talk about the multiple room situation and treating yeah. in the multiple rooms. So what did it look like when you first started and you went into like her practice? Mm. Yeah, surprisingly, when I first started, she actually rented out one of the rooms to a friend of hers who was a massage therapist. So instead of having three rooms to work with, I had only two rooms to work with. And so it was back to back patients all day, every single day I was there almost. Um, she, the woman I purchased from in the beginning told me, don't pay a sheet service do the sheets yourself. Um, and I, I believed some of these things until I was practicing and then realized the amount of time and energy I'm spending washing all these sheets on my only days off doesn't make sense. So then I hired a sheet service. So I, over the years, I have made many different adjustments that make more sense for me, which everyone should be doing. 
the woman I purchased from had no front desk staff. She did all of her billing herself. She had no sheet service. She washed her own sheets, cleaned her own rooms, and handled everything. So she was actually a good person to watch, even though it was only for a short two weeks, because I was able to see how important like the rhythm of the practice was, the systems she had in place, start to finish. And so just watching her do it, I knew that it could be done. And for a while, I just mimicked what I saw her do. And over time, added in things that made more sense for me. So that's just, this is crazy. This seems crazy to me. How did she, can you walk us through what treating a patient would look like in that scenario? Yeah. Patient walks in, you say hi. Within the first roughly five minutes, they're on the table. You're having great friendly chit chat. You're checking tongue and pulse. Um, You're inserting needles. So while you're talking, while you're doing, you're deciding what the treatment plan is going to be. And if they're a returning patient, obviously, you're not going to be spending a whole lot of time. You're going to be following up with them. How was your last treatment? Where are you? How are you feeling today? Is there anything else that you would like to focus on? Or do we want to continue the same treatment? So you're verbalizing, you're communicating with the patient. And so within the first 15 minutes after they walk in the door, they're on the table and they're needled. And then you're out of the room, you're washing your hands, you're cleaning up a room, maybe getting another patient off the table and getting ready for the next patient to come in on the half an hour. And that kind of continues rolling throughout the day. Give and take a few minutes, patients run late, some come early, Um, you may do something that takes a little longer, but the the system that you have in place is going to be like the most important thing because it is doable. Uh, one of the acupuncturists I actually admire so much here in town, I have acupuncture coverage in my insurance. And as a practitioner, sometimes we let our own health go. And I made a choice to go see an acupuncturist in town. His name was Dr. Sai. I actually believe he taught at the college down here at Pacific College of Health and Science. He, when I first met him and we were chatting back and forth about being an acupuncturist, he said, oh, I, I treat around 30 patients a day. And my jaw dropped to the floor, 30 patients a day? I said, wow, you treat as many patients as a day almost that I do in a whole week. And he said, oh, I've cut my patient load in half. That's half of what I used to treat. And the amazing thing about Dr. Sai, and he was an inspiration too, to watch and see, even though he's spending limited time with you, you never feel gypped. He's there with you. He's listening. He's hearing everything that you're saying. You feel like his full attention is with you. And so even though he's spending maybe 10 minutes tops with you at the end of a treatment, you don't feel like it's been hurried or rushed or anything. So he could treat like four patients an hour. It was incredible. That is not the pace that feels comfortable to me. So for the listeners, you guys, in the beginning, when you first start practicing, it's going to be a lot of finding your own rhythm and then finding what's comfortable. If you're an orthopedic acupuncturist, you're not going to be wanting to treat two, three, four patients an hour. It doesn't make sense to the modality that you specialize in. So you'll be driving yourself crazy. You know, if you're doing Kiko, stuff like that, that takes longer. The way I practice, two patients an hour feels the most comfortable. And I feel like I'm not hurried and like I have time to spend quality grounded, quality grounded time with the patients without rushing too much. So there is things that can meld and change, but it it is possible. And it is something that seems daunting at first. But once you get into the flow, it's it's literally a flow. It's not something where you're like, you know, you adapt, people adapt, you have an internal clock and that internal clock will start letting you know, okay, boop, boop, leave this room, go to clean this room, say hi to the next patient, get them on the table. It flows in a nice rhythm, surprisingly. Okay, so let's, let's, um, so many things to mind there. Let's take a giant step backwards and go back to how this practitioner that you purchased from was treating. So she would take them in 15, within 15 minutes, she's out of the room. And then she would, because she's running two rooms at a time as well at that point. So yeah. then would she chart then like step outside of the room chart? This is a great question. <laughs> Things have changed too. So when I purchased from her, she was still all paper. Mm. And um, oh, so she was charting when she was talking. She was charting when she was talking. 
And honestly, her charting included a, a two short sentences. After 28 years, she's not charting very much, you know? Um, so her charting was very sped up and, and very, you know, just the basics of what was needed. Um, and then for me, when I do it, I'm doing it electronically. So, and I don't like having an iPad in between me and the patient. I like to be present with my patients. So for me, exactly what you're thinking, when I leave that room, I then, if I have the time, I'll either make a note about some things in their electronic chart that I want to go back to, or at the end of the day, sometimes, depending on how things are flowing or how quickly the day is going, if I get the time, I will do the charting in between when that patient's on the table and before the next patient walks in. And she she used to do it right then and there. So it was a little quicker for her than it is for me. And then there's other things, you know, because the process too that happens after that is after the patient gets off the table, if you don't have front desk staff, you're also checking your patient out, you're selling them herbs, and you're booking them for their next visit. Which is where I was going to go next, because yeah. that's where I'm trying to com compartmentalize this and, and make it like, okay, so 15 minutes, sets of set of needles is in, um, and then charting, and then you're almost at the half hour mark. So you go grab the next patient, get them mm -hmm. on the table, 15 minutes. And then, so are you or she, I guess this is the flow now. I guess we're just talking about the flow now. Then, uh, so you're kind of at 45 minutes. Do you go back in and pull that other, the first set of needles on that other person? Yep. Um, yep and then exactly. two, if you're doing two sets of needles, then you would actually need to chart, like get the first set in it within eight minutes, chart, and then set that second set before you go grab the next person. So one of the things that sometimes gets put aside is the charting. And if I'm having a busy day, I won't sit down to do the charting until the very end of my day. And in all honesty, sometimes if I have a couple of busy days, I'm not getting to the charting. So part of it is having a good memory and remembering what you're doing. Um, and if like if I can just transfer over because the electronic health records programs, you can copy paste from one to the next. And then you're just changing the pertinent things that were different for that new visit. So that is a time saver. So there, the charting kind of has to flow depending on how the day goes. Sometimes I can do it right then and there. And sometimes I have to wait till the very end of the day. And then before I wrap up for the day, I go through all my charts, clean them up, finish them up, sign them and finish the day that way instead of having the pressure of doing it in the moment. Everyone's going to be a little different. And um, I've been practicing long enough to know that like in the beginning, you guys are going to take the most detailed notes ever. I mean, super duper detailed. As time goes on, like when I bought the practice and I saw she used to write like two sentences, I was appalled. Like what? two sentences? That patient said so much more than that. Over time, you learn that you need to chart what is medically necessary. You don't need to go on and on about, oh, how they felt, how they're, you know, that doesn't need to be done every single time, especially if they're a returning patient. So you learn over time to kind of this wrap things up quicker than you would otherwise. And so the charting becomes easier at that stage and uh, it fits easier into the day. I want to piggyback that because I made, I made this, I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's a process. But when I was newer, gosh, oh my gosh. Even I mean, I've only recently feel like I'm starting to find my groove with charting and charting only what's necessary <laughs> because I definitely over charted, especially if it was like an, a motor vehicle accident case. You guys, she's so right for some reason. And they they made us do this in clinic in school as interns, like ask the whole 10 questions every single visit, get as much information about their poop and their every their energy and all of their things, even though. Like you're treating low back pain. Like it's, it's eventually what you have to do is, is think like the insurance. Oh, dear God, do not strike me with lightning, but think like the insurance companies really in chart yeah. to the insurance companies. Once you get the hang of that, then you know what's going to be really necessary in the charts from that perspective. Whether or not you're taking insurance, you need to really honestly know how to chart towards insurance. The second thing that I was going to say there, because there's also this other portion of taking notes recently, so I haven't really spoken too much about it, but I've been hired by a Western Medical Clinic working specially with emergency responders. And I was working with one of the nurses because the electronic health record system is also completely different, also programmable, also 
freaking complicated. And the head, one of the head nurses was talking to me and we were going through and, and I said something about notes and she was like, you know what? Don't worry about the notes. You're, you're taking those notes for yourself. Because I also had going into that situation, knowing that the doctors were going to be reading my notes, knowing that everybody, all of the nurses, like there's three doctors and four nurses and mental health professionals and physical therapists. And if you don't think that they're curious about what this acupuncturist is doing and whether or not they know what they're saying or like, I know there's a spotlight on me and I, I've been a little bit freaked out about it. But she said that to me one day and I was like, oh, you know what? You're right. Like, they don't know anything about what I'm doing anyway. They don't. And I, so I'm making notes because everything's going to insurance and I need to make sure that I know how to do that properly. But also, if, if there's anything that I feel me is important, then I put it in there. Yeah, beautiful. You know, my husband's a, a fireman and a paramedic. And the years that he worked as a paramedic, he helped me a lot with my my medical charting because he'd come in my office and help me do things here and there. And he said, you don't, you shouldn't be putting all these things in there. He said, what you need to imagine is all this is for is if it ever goes to court for malpractice. And if it goes to court for malpractice and you're writing in there, today, the patient says that they're sad and I think this and maybe it's this. He said, none of that is medically relevant and it's just fluff that is not going to look good on a medical chart. And that's, guys, that is exactly what it is. It's a medical chart. You're only going to need that for insurance reasons or for malpractice reasons. And you don't want it full of a bunch of stuff that makes sense to you, but makes no sense to the medical community at large. And the things that you think you need to remember about a patient, you will remember those things. You know, that's part of your diagnosis process and it's part of your treatment process, but it doesn't need to be written every word in the, in the charting. And it is something that over time you get better at with practice. Yeah. That's actually another thing that, that this nurse said to me because I, we were talking about the mental health counselors and she said, Hey, have you actually read, um, any of their charts? And I was like, No, I haven't, I haven't looked at anything. And she was like, The way that they chart is so incredibly vague because the, the people tell you the most deepest, darkest mm -hmm. secrets and, you know, if we were taught, if they talk about it, it, then it happened and you need to note it. But um, I note it as lots of family stress, you yes, know, exactly. like you do not exactly. need to say like patient has a suicidal 22 year old daughter who's been in and out of the mental yes. hospital for five for for five years and has just returned home for, after the fifth visit and is at home as well as a separation and uh, like you know like you don't need just put lots of family stress or level eight out of ten of family stress you know like but but that was, we're not taught that we're really taught to chart so specifically but but I feel like they didn't teach us what specifically was important to chart right yeah and those yeah. are your pain scales and those are even though they're stupid and those are or activities of daily living and whether or not the patient feels like they progressed or not from visit to visit. But it, it's, it's, this is something that I just recently learned. Yes. The follow up visits are brief. You talk for only a minute or two and then you get the needles in and you're done. Like, cause you, you are going to reevaluate, right? That's the time yep. for the big conversation again. In the meantime, you're, they're just on a plan and that's what they're doing. Yes. You're following the plan that you set forth for them previously. Unless you're making a small tweak, in which case you're copy pasting and, you know, noting that small tweak that you made. It's actually a lot more simple than it seems. Yeah, it is more simple than it seems. And it's more simple than we were that I was taught. Hey, this is Shelby from the Jane team. If you're new to the name, Jane is a complete practice management software designed to keep up with your busy acupuncture practice. You can take advantage of powerful features to help you manage your schedule, chart faster, sell products, bill insurance, and take payments seamlessly. And with Jane, you'll have access to a supportive community of practitioners and unbeatable support from our friendly team. Come see for yourself at jane.app forward slash acupuncture dash US. Stacey, can I make one more note about this as well? Sure. Um, I just think it's really important, you guys, if you ever tell a patient 
anything like, I want you to follow up with your GP, notate that in your medical chart as well. That way that that certain liability is not on you if anything does go wrong and they can't, you know, and it's it's terrible to think litigiously and I'm not telling people to think litigiously. Just if you recommend that the patient follow up with their GP, write that in your notes. If if a patient shares something very important with me, like I have had patients that discuss that they're having suicidal thoughts, that is a very tricky situation and it has to be managed appropriately and it has to be charted appropriately. So it has to be charted in the way that you, you know, you write how you followed up with that patient. That is something that's so important. I had a patient who had a restraining order put on their husband, for instance. I wrote that in the chart because I was concerned that this may come back on them someday. And I wanted it notated in the chart. I didn't want to get into the personal details of her life. But I did want to say in there, patient had to file a restraining order against husband. Just because that was a legal action she took, and I felt like it was important to go in the medical chart just in case. And that's a horrible way to think, but it's important to add those things without too much detail of going into why or the dramas and all that stuff. It just has to be concise and to the point. Yeah. We're going to do another episode on charting, I guess. Good, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the train just went off the tracks and apparently like there's a lot to there's a lot to to pack away there. Okay, back to back to the room flow. So do you do a second set of needles and how do you work that? Oh, this is such a great question, Stacey. I'm glad that you asked it. I never do more than two insertions, except for one patient I had, but that patient was approved for two hour long treatments twice a week, in which case I would do. And the, the patient had a, well, complex regional pain syndrome, mm. strangely enough. And that person liked many needles and I came in and did multiple sets, but I was in the room with that person the entire time, which is not my norm. Um, so I usually only do two insertions, one to two insertions. And how I work out the insertions is, let's say I'll do my initial set of points. And then within that last 15 minutes, when I'm coming back into the room with the patient, I'll remove the needles, I'll add another set of auricular, and then I will do the, anything physical that I'm going to do, cupping, some tweenaw, stretching, um, any of those modalities, I'm then in the room with that patient for that 15 minutes with their second set and doing um, the manual therapies that I'm doing. Mm, okay. So what yours looks like, first set of needles in within 15 minutes, do some charting, grab the second patient, get them on the table, and then go back to the first patient, pull the needles, put the second set in, do manual therapy. And then pull yep. the needles and send them on their way. Ah, okay, okay. Exactly. So I've been doing this a little differently. Like I do auricular first. So I'll get them on the table, start, take their pulse, look at their tongue, and then I'll do auricular and let them sit with auricular in while we talk a little bit. And then usually because I surpass and I do hit, I think it's like minute 23 or whatever, I'm still there. So I do the second set. Because I also do orthopedic. Yeah. And this flows differently for me, too, depending on the patient. So yeah. I will say, like, I have done it in different ways. Um, I just don't, I personally don't do more than two insertions. And it is also like the way I like to practice. I have a colleague who's basically in the room with the patient the entire time. I like to run two rooms and I like to have my patients have at least a half an hour quiet resting time where I'm not in their face, popping back in and out. And this is a, this is personal preference. And once again, I'll say this, whatever patients are meant to be with you will be with you. They'll be drawn to you. So your rhythm will attract a certain kind of patient, just like someone else's rhythm will attract a, their, a different patient to them. So some patients like the practitioner in the room the entire time. I personally don't like being in the room with the patient the entire time. I like them to have quiet time, some meditative time. So for me, it makes sense to do things the way I do and then leave and give them that space, which is why I'm not popping in and out, checking on them a thousand times, doing, you know, pulling the needles, reinserting, all that kind of stuff, though that may make sense for some people if they find that that's the rhythm that they move in. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I like to I like to chill my people out, too. Um, but I'm sort of learning this like I'm I'm. Yeah, I, I'm just in a groove right now but but I do a lot of electro and so when I do electro I do interrupt them I do annoyingly go back in and be like 
I hear you snoring. We're going to go ahead and turn this up now. Here comes more electricity. You know, like I use electroacupuncture a lot too. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Yeah, I do too. I don't know if you've talked about this on any of your podcasts. I leave a room buzzer with my patients, especially if you're going to do electroacupuncture, you guys. Be sure that you get those little call buttons. They're like 25 bucks on Amazon and you'll get a set of four and each one, each room can have a different ring. And I always leave that with my patients. It really calms them down. And I have had multiple times where someone's getting electroacupuncture and it's fine when you leave the room. And then all of a sudden, about halfway through treatment, they are going to start feeling it. The needles have maybe moved around a little bit or things opened up. And I can't tell you how often I've had someone like buzz. In fact, I think of the times the call button's used, it's mostly for when someone's had electroacupuncture and they either want to turn it down a little bit or they want to turn it up a little bit. So the call buttons are so important. Um, Okay, so tell me a little bit about how you navigate rescheduling and collecting money. Perfect. Yeah. So let's say it's I just wrapped up with a patient on the table. I leave the room to let them get dressed. I come back out into the hallway. Usually in the waiting room is the next patient. I will then greet the new patient. Always friendly, friendly, friendly. Well, I'll wash my hands first. Then I'll greet the patient if we're going to do the rhythm exact. Then I say, hey, come on back. Your room's ready for you. I take them in a room that's already been cleaned and ready. I invite them in. I say, um, I'll be with you in just a couple of minutes. Go ahead and get undressed. Hop on the table. I'll back. I'll be back in in a few minutes once I check or finish up with this patient and we'll get started. You know, you kind of guide this. This is something that is very doable because it's you guiding how the patients are responding, how they're acting, what they're doing. So if you're very direct about what you want them to do, it can flow very easily. If you're very kind of like, oh, you can you can kind of come in if you want to. Like that doesn't usually work. So being very straightforward. Hey, come on. The room's ready for you. Come on in. Hop up on the table. I'll be with you in just a couple minutes. I'm just checking out my other patient. And then they that you leave that room. And then by that time, the patient who's getting dressed is usually finished getting dressed. And then I go into the office and I sit them down and I check them out, um, charge them, however that's going to work. And that's through my electronic health records program as well, which makes it much easier And then I say, would you like to book a follow-up? Or I'd like to book you a follow-up for next week, really. You shouldn't be kind of leaving open-ended questions. I'll say, like, how does next week sound? Can you get in later this week? I also want you to have these herbs. And then I try to rebook patients while they're sitting there, even though a lot of my patients like to do that online and it's really convenient for them. I still try to get them into the rhythm of, come back next week. I need to see you again. Once again, you're directing their treatment protocol. So you're keeping them, you know, you'll say um, you're making great progress. You'll do your follow up with them. But I still we're, we're going to do a couple more treatments just so we can get that to shift completely. So it goes actually pretty quickly at the end, um, especially if you have the right system in place, like the electronic health records programs. You know, they're so advanced now and they do make things easier. Once you learn the programs, it makes things easier. And then I answer any questions for them and then they'll go ahead and leave and I'll go and quickly pop in the room with the patient I just had laid down and the process starts all over again. So I just, once again, I I didn't anticipate me tagging on to all of your processes with my processes, but here we go. Um, Of course, I'm going to make a plug for Jane here because they're my sponsor and I love them. And one of the things that I love about Jane is that when I get a new patient, when they're um, setting themselves up on Jane, I have it set so they have to put their credit card in and it's on file. And I also, in my verbiage with them, I talk about how I really want to spend the time with them and not on collecting money and rescheduling. So we're going to just run your credit card at the end of the day or run it after your visit. We don't even have to like sit down and do the whole credit card handover crap. Because in my experience, when I was newer, I can remember that there were days when I was sitting there trying to run a credit card that wouldn't run. Then I went swiped it 17,000 times or the person couldn't find it and they were fumbling and they were a patient waiting out in the hallway and I was running late. My software was di- taking a dive and 
Like you just, it's so awkward. And I can't even tell you how amazing and lovely it is to be like, okay, see you guys later. You know, like I've already, and also too, part of my, and I'm, this is probably yours too, but when I do my initial, I make them schedule those six visits right there before they leave. That way we don't have to do that anymore either until the uh, eval on the six, then I evaluate, then we will get the next four or whatever it's going to be scheduled then too. So a lot of the times you guys won't even have to, if you do these things, which I'm going to actually start teaching the scripts for this so that yes. people can practice. And I'm going to make, I think I'm, I've been working on this in my head, but I think I'm going to actually make a special podcast for it. So this yeah. podcast will just be all scripts that you guys can, can subscribe to. Um, and that way you can hear it in the car and hear it on your commute and figure it out and how to say it on your own. But anyway, those those are some things that I have set so that literally someone gets off my table, they can just walk out the door. They don't have to reschedule. They don't have to pay, stand there and pay me. It's amazing. It's really great, which I'm sure you probably do those things too. I do. And I can attest like, you know, from when I started to now, even within this short time frame, our electronic health records programs have just advanced like insanely. And at first I was very stressed about it. Like, uh, like I just barely learned this program. Now they're doing something new. But once I bit the bullet and just dove in, oh my gosh, my life got a thousand times better. I was very concerned because I treat a lot of the elderly population. And I was very concerned they're not going to want this online booking. You know, am I paying for this program that's not worth it? You guys, I can't share with you enough how many compliments I get from my patients about how happy they are with how easy it is to book online. It is just something. And I have patients in their 90s and they're saying, oh, thank you. This is so easy. I appreciate this because sometimes your appointment mixes with my other doctor's appointment and now I can just go in and change it so so quickly and I really appreciate it. Of all of my patients, I have two, count them, two patients who only are able to book by phone. That is it. Yeah. Everyone else is so pleased and I, that was a pleasant surprise. I was not anticipating. Yeah, the integrations are great. <laughs> so great. Uh, so great. What's What type of acupuncture do you use? Like what's your go-to? I hate this question because we're all different, right? And we're all just like everything. Yes, um, I went to a TCM school and it was a hodgepodge of everything. And and this is embarrassing to say, but I did not know that I could just pick one thing and practice that one thing until I was well out of school. And then I was overwhelmed all the time thinking like, what? Like, how can we all, how can we remember all these things? And then I realized, oh, you you don't. Some people just specialize in auricular and that's all they do. Or some people just do master dong. You know, it's it was such a surprise to me. And that's such an embarrassing thing to admit. But we were taught all of it all at once. Yeah. And when we went to clinic, we were you know, we had different supervisors who taught us all different things. And they would hodgepodge some TCM with some master dong with some auricular, you know, so all of those things came together. So I am kind of um, a jack of all trades acupuncturist. I do not specialize in anything. I use what I think is necessary for the patient. Um, I was not trained or taught Japanese style, though I've had it on myself and I really think it's effective. It's just not my way of being. So I'll toss in a bunch of, you know, even five element diagnosis, you know, it just, it, you just go with what intuitively feels right with a certain patient. Um, I guess it's what makes the medicine exciting and fun. And when I chose this as a career, that was one of the selling points for me. I didn't ever want to be bored or uninspired in my career or in my job or my profession. So one of the big selling points was I thought, I'll never, ever get bored in TCM. And I still to this day, I'm, I'm not. There's so much to learn. And I, I honestly, truly believe like, and I do suffer with imposter syndrome. And I really appreciate you using that word in your podcast. It's almost, it's one of those things that's almost embarrassing to admit, right? So I just finished up with my doctorate. And being able to say, um, Dr. Megan Lindsay or Dr. Lindsay, oh, there's like this, there's this initial, like, just like cringiness, you know? And I have to really dig deep and ask myself, why do I feel that way? I, I, you have all this education, all this training, all this schooling. What is going on? And I've done a lot of research and there is a lot of research online about imposter syndrome. It seems to affect, you know, a certain portion of the population. And it's really crazy to me because there's people out there who are actually the exact opposite of imposter syndrome, you know, where they know very little and they act like they know a lot. 
We call them narcissists. <laughs> I think that I tend to date them. <laughs> yes. Are called borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Narcissist. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and honestly, and this is embarrassingly true, right? If you grew up with um a narcissist in your life, you will have more of a tendency because you're you were embarrassed watching them behave and, and you don't ever want to replicate that because you feel shame. You almost feel deep shame. And so instead of even giving yourself basic credit, you're doing the exact opposite. You're downplaying everything you do because it's such a complicated situation. And this is why the process of us helping heal others, we're also helping heal ourselves on so many levels. The patients that are meant to be with you are with you, not only because they need you, but you need them to grow through your trauma, through your everything, to, to grow as a practitioner and as a human being. It's pretty amazing when you really get down to it. Yes. Yes. And and those people, yes, they are lessons. Yes, they are. I learned a couple of them <laughs> early on. Yes. I lost a lot of life force and uh over some patients. I had a patient that didn't speak English and she was like 80. She was just so sweet, but I overgave, 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 overgave too much, too much, too much, not being able to communicate in a language and just having to like point and it was tough. She got better, but it also really just drained my life force so much. Yes. Oh my gosh. Stacy, it's talking about piggybacking. I would love to say something to the listeners that I think is really important about that in particular. When you're first starting and you don't have a lot of patients, let's say you only have one or two patients a day, I want to um, try to convince you guys to whatever you're deciding to treat, if you're deciding you're going to be treating for an hour, do not train your patients that you're going to give them hour and a half or two hour long treatments. Even if you have the time in your day, try to get that treatment done within an hour because what happens is you train your patients and you are teaching them how you're going to be in the future. And if in the beginning, you're able to treat them for an hour and a half, but then as your practice goes on and you're, you know, you're full, your, your schedule's full. Now those patients are going to feel gypped because they're no longer getting that extra time for, from you. So what I try to do is I try to keep it to an hour and every once in a while, a patient of mine will get to have a little extra time because I have extra time in my schedule and they're very grateful for it. And gratefulness and expectation are two different things. You don't want to train your patients to believe that they're going to get an hour and a half treatment every single time they come and see you just because your schedule's open. So try your best to stick to an hour. If that's what your treatment looks like, stick to that hour in the beginning. And it's going to be really hard to do that because you're going to want to have that extra interview time and you're going to want that extra time to do cupping at the end. But you're doing yourself a disservice. Um... And those patients that are your diehards that have been with you from the beginning will be very confused and maybe hurt if and when you don't have the time for them anymore. And I also, another piggyback on piggyback. The whole point of this conversation today is to figure out how to have multiple treatment rooms. So even from the very beginning, you need to train yourself to do less in less time right? Or to only do a certain amount in less time, because we do tend to overtreat as new practitioners. We just do too much. We don't overtreat per se, but we do too much. And so this is something that I've been working on because this clinic where I work is, is it, dude, they've been waiting for me. Like I'm booked and I'm only in my third week. So um, now I've taught the front desk how to double book me. So this is on my, I don't know, this is exactly where I'm at right now too. And so I quickly trained myself in doing a full treatment in 45 minutes and being done and having walking them out the out of their or leaving them because I work in a doctor's office where it's so weird. But you just say, OK, pulled your needles. See you next week. And they walk out. <laughs> it's the dream. It's the dream. It's so I'll tell you weird. What. It's so weird. Yeah. You know, and then I don't have to say goodbye and here take my money. I don't have to do anything. I, I just get to be like the the white coats and and walk out see you later 
Um, but anyway, I'm trying to do it in 45 minutes because people can be slow and they can dink around in the room and they'll take phone calls and they'll do all sorts of dumb stuff and you need to turn that room over. So give yourself the time to do it, to fix that chart, to do the things to, especially as a new practitioner, because as a new practitioner, you're not going to remember all of those points that you did. This is Megan talking, who's been doing it much longer and she has a groove. You're not going to remember what we talked about. Be sure and take notes and even just do rough notes. So some of the things that I've done is gone into the system, the electronic health record system and just spit everything out and just got it out there. And then when I go back later in the day, then I can go back and, and put it into sentence form. Yeah, this is fantastic. There is an ideal day and then there's going to be a more, you know, in between day. And then there's going to be a very bad day where you're actually running quite fine. Yeah. And it's good to ex- be exposed to all of those things. That's not always going to be possible. But like for, for me, when I was in school, that's how our clinic ran in school, you know, and at school, you guys can probably go in and ask to follow one of the busier practitioners who treats two patients an hour. And they would maybe be willing to let you follow them around and see how that flow goes. Understanding that at school, there's also front desk staff that has to, you know, so you'll have to be doing that part of the intake outtake as well. But it's worth just watching if it's something you're interested in, because it's possible. And like I mentioned, Dr. Sai, you know, he's treating four patients an hour. It's it's a flow. It's just a rhythm. It's not necessarily something that can't be done. You just have to experience what that rhythm feels like. And then it's it's much easier. Did he have people pulling needles for him? He pulled needles. Um, He did have. Yes, he pulled needles. Mm-hmm. I, it's so what was his flow? What do you think his flow was? He came in, felt look, tongue pulse, needles. He was obviously practicing like balance method or something super easy and quick and then walked out onto the next yeah. patient. Now, my answer to this is um, he's a magical creature <laughs> from another realm of existence. The man has Jing like I've never seen mm. before. Okay. I <laughs> mean, Treating 60 to 100 patients a week and being a teacher at a college? No, like no. And a husband and a father? I don't know how some people do it. I honestly feel like they're born with more genes. Oh, they are. There are. They can just do, you know? And this is not to shame anyone, you guys. By the way, like this is a great thing that you're saying, Stacey. If two patients an hour is not your rhythm, do not feel guilty about that. Go with what feels right to you. I know plenty of acupuncturists who like to treat one patient an hour because they are slow and meticulous and calculated. And that's just their energy. So to move any faster than that is going to feel rushed and stressful and abnormal. And you asked like about coping mechanisms earlier at the very start of the podcast, like what, what do you implement? How do you cope with the emotions that come up? You know, a lot of the beginning of practice is kind of feeling out who you are as a practitioner and then honoring that. And making decisions in your practice that honor who you are as a practitioner, not based on how much money you should be making or uh, what so-and-so is down the street is doing. It is literally about you feeling it out. And maybe you feel out two rooms and you do that for a year and you're having nervous breakdowns on your day off. Then you get to reevaluate and make a different decision. There's no harm in trying something and then changing it if it doesn't work for you. But I encourage you to use two rooms. I do too. I do too. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, I really do because we need to take care of ourselves, mental and emotional. But as a former massage therapist, if you really, if you're treating just one patient an hour, you're only making massage therapy money. At least yeah. that's what happens in my head. That's why I'm like, got to push to get two an hour, man. Got to make that like, got to break a hundred grand, dude. Can't, oh, yeah. Can't, oh, like... frick. Yes. <laughs> and it's so possible. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And, and or if you're working slow, you charge what you're worth. Yeah. You know, like you've discussed before, too, like setting your hourly rate. And if you're a slow practitioner, then you need to maybe go to La Jolla or Beverly Hills <laughs> and treat that one patient an hour. But you charge four hundred dollars an hour, which sounds outrageous. But honestly, money, m- we money, money is an energy. And we put feelings on that energy. So for someone who has a scarcity mindset, you have this imagination that, oh, $300 an hour, $400 an hour, no one's going to pay me that. Uh, yes, they will. Uh, you know, naturopaths get $300 for an hour of their time. It's no ifs, ands, or buts. That is their basic minimum that they accept. 
So this is a this is a story we tell ourselves as acupuncturists, and we do ourselves a disservice. Um, so yeah, if if you want to treat only one and you want to charge four hundred, you go ahead and do that. You might have a slower build, but uh, it's possible. I just want to say it's possible. You might have a slower build, but you're going to attract more of that. I have a little story about that since we're talking about that. And that would be, I have some friends and he is a malpractice attorney. He's probably the best malpractice attorney in Idaho. Is this, is this going to be in the show notes too? Heaven forbid you ever need something like that. I, I, I feel pretty hooked up in Idaho. I'm not going to lie. I feel pretty protected. But anyway, he, he was like, you know, Stace, I want. I want to come see you, but I'm not coming. I'm not going to come see you. And I was like, "Yo, I know you. I know you're not going to come see me because that would mean you have to, you'd have to leave work." And he was like, "Yeah, I want you to come to my house. I want you to come to my house and come here. That's what I want." And I was like, "Okay, okay. I can see that you've trashed yourself because he's he's a biking friend of mine, and so he's dude. He's like I don't know though. He's in his late fifties." And he's, he's right. He rode his bike 60 miles last Saturday. And so, and so I see him and he's like all crooked and walking funny because he's in so much pain. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. So here's what, here's what my offer is. I'll come see you. I'll come here on Sunday evenings and I'll treat both you and your wife. And I will charge you full price, not friends and family rate. And I will tack on travel time to the rate of an extra hundred dollars and he goes okay done and i was like okay you guys i'm making three hundred dollars i drive 15 minutes i have my massage table stored at their house and um that's easy money yep yep (laughs) and i said to him you know this isn't sustainable like i'm not going to work sunday evenings for forever and um, I do know, however, that you're going to go trash your body during the week and that you'll probably be a perpetual client no matter what, which is great or patient, because it's great, but eventually this won't be sustainable. But I'm here for the ride. Like, I'll do this for as long as you need me to or till something changes. And he's like, I got that. That's cool. <laughs> so, yes, you can make $300 in an hour. Yes. And don't make assumptions about the value of what that $300 is. You know, if you think $300 is a lot and you're thinking that is a lot to everyone, you're incredibly, incredibly wrong. Because for a lot of people, they'll blow $3,000 on a purse that they never use and that sits in their closet, you guys. So uh, charge what you think you're valued at. And the, the money end of it, if a patient is in need, they can tell you, I can't afford that. Is there anything you can do? Don't automatically assume that $300 is too much for your time or that that person doesn't have $300 to spend on you. Because uh, surprisingly, a lot of people have a lot. Yes. Um. So let's bring it back full circle. Is there anything else that we need to know about treating in multiple treatment spaces um, that we're missing, right? Like you don't need front desk staff. You... So the, let's go through it. Have have somebody else do your sheets as you get busier. Have mm-hmm. an answering service as you get busier if you can, if you feel like you need it. I've had other practitioners say who are very um, busy say that they have an answering service and it's amazing and super wow. helpful. I've never actually done that. I use um an app that's HIPAA compliant called iPlum, and this is maybe worthwhile for you guys to hear. Um, I get a fax line, a HIPAA compliant fax line and, and phone line through, um, an app on my phone. So I can also have my business line and my personal phone be the one in the same. So for many years, I had a landline and I had to pay extra money for that landline. Then I had a separate cell phone for my business and my personal. And now I just have my one phone and I'm using this iPlum app. And it was recommended to me by a patient of mine who is a psychiatrist. Uh, because they have to be very concerned with HIFA compliance as well. And this app, so far, so good. It's great. It's, it's affordable. And, um, I don't, I've never had an answering service. I just have my patients to, and you can get texts, which is nice. And, and that's how people kind of do things nowadays. So I just let them leave a message. You know, my outgoing is, Hey, I, if, if I'm not answering, I'm, it's either my day off or I'm with a patient, you know, please leave me a message. I'll get back to you. So I've never used an answering service. Um, 
Honestly, with everything online like it is nowadays and people can book and change appointments online, I don't know if that would even be necessary Mm. for me. I don't get very many phone calls anymore. It's like telemarketers and telemarketers only, you know, very, very little actual phone calls from my patients nowadays. That's good to know because this practitioner is getting close to retirement age. And so I wasn't always like, I don't know about that. Um, I've thought about it, though, because I just played tag with somebody that was trying to book with me. And as many times as I called back and said, hey, head over to my website and go ahead and book an appointment, it never happened. So I was like, huh, yeah, I wonder. Okay, so sheets, billing, credit card online, easy, streamline. Um, Yep. There really isn't much more. Why is it so complicated? Why does it feel complicated to us? Because we're not doing it. Uh Yeah, because you're not doing it. You know, anything that you're not doing is new and anything new is daunting. Um, And it's not till you get into it that you realize that you can manage it. And I said this in our last podcast, and I don't know if that posted or not, but you guys survived acupuncture school. If you survive that, you can survive this. You know, this is nothing. Yeah. This is just a routine. You're setting a routine in place. And I would like to say, too, you asked, is there anything else I would mention? Um, Little things make your life easier. Make sure that you get to the office at a certain time before your day starts. Make sure you have healthy food. Make sure you have tea for yourself and and patience if they'd like it. You know, those little things add support into your day that will see you through. So when I start getting really busy or I don't take time to take care of myself, that's when things start falling apart and two patients per hour feels like too much. But that's nothing to do with that actually being too much. It's that I didn't make my lunch and bring it to work and I'm running on low blood sugar or I'm not taking enough time to drink some tea. You know, it's it's like adding those little important grounding things into your day will see you through as well. And 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 be sure to finish up your day with a routine as well. You start your day with a routine and you end your day with a routine. Those routines will be the bookends of your busy day and um, everything else will fall into place as it needs to. And, and the routine includes, you know, op- unlock your door, Go straight to the back, turn the heater on, get the lights on, turn the tables on. Very simple step-by-step things. And those things provide a foundation for the day to move from. Mm-hmm. And I think those are those are the things that are easy to let go of. But they're also, if you're really sensitive, you know, you need to take a minute and meditate or take a minute and clean cleanse the, the area or yourself or you know, shake off or we had to write a haiku. One of my supervisors made us write a haiku at the end of clinic. It's amazing. I hated it. I'm going to write a haiku after our meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Something to shift, just to shift your, oh, my gosh. I don't know what the haiku, I do not like them. Is it 575? 575, right. 575. That's incredible. Yeah, little things, though. Those little things make a big difference. And, guys, there's going to be times where you are overwhelmed. I've got, you have no idea. Like sometimes we deal with such heavy stuff in the room with our patients and I will go into my kitchen. I will cry, really ugly cry for 10 to 15 seconds. I'll do the shaking the tree, get it all out of my system, ground myself. I mean, it doesn't take a long time. Those little meditations don't have to take a long time. It's just a moment where you're checking in with yourself you're allowing yourself to have an emotion that you're feeling, shaking it out, regrounding, and then heading back out there. And at the end of the day, if it's been a long day, I mean, uh, I was just thinking of having a glass of wine, you know, but there's there's healthy alternatives. Like I have quite a drive home, like maybe a 25 minute drive home. And I really appreciate that 25 minutes because I get to decompress everything that went on in my day on my drive. And um yeah, because you have to address those feelings. And sometimes you're not able to, you don't have the, you don't have the time in the day because you have other patients and it's their time. It's not your time to become emotional, but you're also not able, you can't deny your emotions. So just having a moment for yourself is a really important thing and not feeling bad about it or weird about it. I used to have those in school. I'd call them five, oh, yeah. five minute meltdowns oh, yeah. in the bathroom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On the floor. Ugly cry. Oh, yeah. Every, every, every student clinic bathroom is occupied by at least one or two crying practitioners. If they came in with a black light, it's, they're not seeing gross it's, things like they're seeing tears, tears on the floor. Tears everywhere. Tears on the floor. 
So I feel like you just gave a last point unless you have a last point. No, no. I hope we went over everything. You know, it flows differently. And so (laughs) I hope this is valuable for people. I do. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just a quick routine and it's, it's easy to follow. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Thanks so much for coming on again today. You guys, if you want to catch that episode again, it's episode 53, where she talks about purchasing a practice as a new practitioner. And thanks, Megan. Till next time. Yeah, you're welcome. Till next time. I love that. Yes. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, my friend. That's it. That's the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys. And if you appreciate this podcast, it would be amazing if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a great review. And if you don't like what I'm doing, then that's okay. No worries. Just skip it. <laughs>